everybody jerry marzullo here for the affi podcast again big thank you to fire and iron media home of chicago's bravest stories for allowing us to use their facilities it is uh this incredibly gracious of them and check out their podcast wherever um they are uh they can be found just like ours uh coming to you with another episode of uh the affi podcast here with luke slash timothy as he's now been known throughout the state of illinois uh, also Chuck, Super Chuck is, is, is here with us and a super, very special guest that we'll get to in a moment. Um, and we'll introduce this person in a, in a second. So we're very, very excited. Uh, again, uh, the podcast has been incredible and it's been a great response and, um, please email us or contact us with any further, um, ideas that you may have for future podcasts, but we will keep rolling with this as long as you keep listening. Luke, what am I missing? Anything? Not a, this is episode what we, number? We don't even we don't know forty seven thousand. Well, we 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 got to be correct. It's like nineteen seventy four taxi episodes. Chuck said what an is, update today. What is it? This is five. You had it. So right. I was right. Oh, is this really five? Yeah. yeah. Technically, this is episode five. Oh, by the way, the last couple episodes we recorded a few Fridays ago, and I just want to know for the record that I was kidnapped by space aliens that night. No just, question. Just, no Based doubt. on the pictures that I saw. <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no doubt. This special guest who we're just about to introduce did not believe that there was a significant amount of karaoke singing that was going on. You but. may have went to Mars. <laughs> I was kidnapped by aliens. Because when you listen to the episodes, you'll hear a lot of pop tops during the episodes. And there's, again, I've always referenced the table full of bourbon that's next to us. But things happened, adult decisions were made, and then next thing you know, I was beamed back to planet Earth the next morning. I would just like to note that for the record. And so. function. I fun- oh, yeah, yeah, legit. All right. Straight up. Like, let's, let's argue in federal court. Fuck it, let's do this. You know, like that level that's a total lie. I was it's a, a skill set. I was a train wreck the next day. There's no way. I would have been yelling, settle everything. Fuck, settle. No problem. Doesn't matter. 50-50 on the health insurance? Fine. Right. Settle everything. Perfect. All right. No problem. So anyway, I'm gonna we're going to turn it over to Chuck uh, for some remarks, and then we'll get into it with super special guests that we're super excited to have. So there you go. Absolutely. Thank you, Jerry. And I would be remiss if I didn't mentioned the the quality of the voice of Jerry Marzullo. He's, I, I think you were built for this. It's relevant. I, and again, Jerry is an attorney, and he is a Berwyn firefighter, That's and correct. he has a special skill velvet. of moderating podcasts. That's so, correct. Thank you. And, and I'm the Andy this was, this was Luke Howison's um, brainchild, really. Yes. And um, I, can you name the first four uh, episodes, what the topics were? So the first one was How to with- Train Your Dragon. <laughs> So the first, are you sure you're not with the aliens still or what? The first one was Chuck. The first one was Chuck. There you go, of course. Second, Malin Mitchell. Yeah. Third, Professor Bruno. Rob Bruno. Fourth, our legislative guys. Yes, that's when I was kidnapped by space aliens. And then today we're working on five and six. We're working on five and six today. And then eventually, do you think we'll ever get Pat Devaney on? 
He's super busy. I don't know. I can't say it's he who shall not be named because he's just so sublime and ethereal. I can't even he'll float down from the heavens and sit in on this. I hope so. So we'll see. He said he's listened to a couple episodes. He's really yeah, he's enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, we'll have to work on that one. Okay. Remember, see, what, see what's up with it. So this is episode five. This is number five. Let's and get weird. as you mentioned, we do have a very special guest. Um, her name is Margaret Angelucci. Many of you listeners probably have heard her name. Um, if you're a, an executive board member of um, one of our many locals, you've probably talked to her on the phone or uh, spent some time with her in negotiations or other um, events involving your local. So... Uh, Margaret is uh, part of Dialba, Asher, and Gitler. Asher, Gitler, Dialba. Oh, I said it wrong. And a straight-up player. Joel will love that, though. So. Anyway. As he's floating <laughs> around the room. So Joel actually is the, uh, one of the Illinois AFL-CIO's um, main attorneys, if you will, and uh, that's how we learned about Margaret. And I believe, Margaret, what year was that when Pat went came and talked to you? Seems oh, like God. Two eight, decades ago. But eight, it wasn't nine that years ago? Ago. Eight, Ten nine years ago? Somewhere in there. Right, right. Um, and Margaret has become one of, at least for our vice presidents and me and Luke, uh, in particular, one of our go-to attorneys, when, um, we have a question, there's no doubt that, um, my first call is typically to Margaret and our vice president's first call is, uh, is to Margaret and to her credit, as crazy as we are, she actually takes the call. And, <laughs> Which is as surprising. As you think, well, you got to get the right. billing software going right. first, and then you answer the call. Right. That's at least how I do it, you know? Like, sure, sure, sure. So, I, obviously, uh, um, very intelligent person and is actually friendly, too, which, yeah. you know, that's, that's hard to find sometimes with, uh, with oh, a labor. Unlike labor, other attorneys. Labor law, Jerry. Labor. In the room. Correct. I, I got nothing. <laughs> so, but I'm going to let her, you know, describe the number of locals that she represents. Um, but from the AFFI standpoint, um, whether it's legislation or, you know, we get a weird question, uh, frankly, daily. And uh, her phone has probably rang three times since we've been sitting here um, from one of our 224-ish locals. Um, well, mine is mine, so she's not stealing my coins. That's true. So there you go. <laughs> true. true. So, uh, That's why I turned the phone upside down here so you would see God it. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but I, honestly, I, Margaret has uh, always clutch, um, is very responsive, uh, has been very, very beneficial to us, as of you, Jerry, especially during this uh, global pandemic when literally every phone call that I know I'm speaking for Luke here and myself would receive a phone call from a local and we would hang up and call Margaret and she would say, um, give me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the the first answer is I don't know. I just, I don't know, but we're going to find yeah. out. And, and just, you know, Margaret would go in the hallway, huff paint, come up with an answer. <laughs> right, she right, would make up right. an answer, come back, right. and call back. Yeah, right. fuck it. Yeah. Hey. But, uh, Let's pass the laugh test. <laughs> right. Got it. But uh, she's been super responsive. I know, um, and, you know, Luke has had her on some, some, some of our webinars and has created some boilerplate language, uh, to, for us to share with our local affiliates during this, uh, epidemic, epidemic pandemic um so uh, again we can't thank her enough a for actually coming here like, it's one thing to answer mm-hmm. a phone call from an a for vice president but then to walk through and enter the studio yeah. with you Jerry. we disinfected it's, yeah good. prior good so <laughs> we did, we did. with bourbon yeah we did a bourbon disinfectant <laughs> but we love her so it's margaret angelucci well, it's show it's, right. it, it, it all is i right. you know it's just <sighs> margaret well before we get into because 
there's some myth busting here that we need to talk about first. But anyway, is there is there anything you would like to add prior to us getting this going? No, I think that uh, Chuck, uh, thank you for the the praise, unnecessary. But um, no, it's a. I mean, I think our office, I, I didn't count, probably has somewhere in the range of 120 AFFI locals. Um, so we are kept pretty busy, and this last year has been a little bit crazy. But I think, yeah, um, you know, we've all, all the AFFI attorneys have kind of come together. Um, I've worked very closely with Jerry, too, and trying to <clears throat> brainstorm to come up with the best ways to approach things. So it's definitely been a collaborative effort the last year. Yeah, it is. And it's been, uh, hopefully, the light is at the end of the tunnel with the global pandemic. We'll see. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, but we need to go into a couple of different things so that everybody really understands who we're dealing with. First of all, I'd like to come up with all – I'd like to remind everybody of all the ways I've tortured you over the years. So <laughs> the first thing is, if you recall, as I sent you this stick figure house of you and Joel, do you remember that? Because that was fantastic. Do you still have it hanging in your office? No, I don't. Well, I am, I'm not sure. Do you I remember don't. the stick figure thing? I did you, Joel, the sun was shining. There's a little dog. Joel I was floating I, around yes, the room. Yes, I, yeah, I do have the letter. Yeah, I Th- do. That actually. was the letter that I wrote. Joel. I did have intention to frame it like five years ago, <laughs> and it's just sitting in my desk somewhere now. Now it's just extra toilet paper. That's what it is. Remember, <laughs> I had rays of golden sublime light shooting out of Joel's eyes as he was floating around the room. I thought that so was me. <laughs> No, you're yelling at him to come down. Oh, okay. Um, what have I done? I've threatened to come to your office dressed as Margaret Thatcher. Um, I'm still waiting on you to come up. With, you know. I did take the vowel away from your last name because you forgot who Louis Prima was. And then I sent you the Louis Prima CD. And I did play Do you it remember that? for the office. Yes. It was it was horrifying. I had a stroke-like moment, and then I figured it out. So our long sort did of you, is that? Did you sing Louis in your karaoke adventure? I sang Frank Sinatra. And then I was kidnapped by aliens. I don't remember. But I know there were two or three songs after that one. And then I woke up. So that was cool. <laughs> so <I got> that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, just giving my wife an opportunity to be you even know, more You know, some angry. of our AFFI members um, have some recent karaoke stories that I'm sure they don't want aired. But um, is it just a, is it a firefighter thing? It's just, a, you know, it's just a thing. I mean, we want to express ourselves and who we really are. And, you know, karaoke is the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds uh, like a bar. So before we get into this, so we we'd love to get into your one of the plans was was to kind of was to get into your your background. I in contrast to me, I come from an entire police background. Everybody in my family, father, uncles, uh, cousins, best friends growing up, uh, were all police um, and married to one. And 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 I was the only one smart enough to become a fireman. But you, by contrast, I think your whole family was fire, correct? Yep. And where uh, where at, if I may ask? Uh, Detroit. Detroit Rock City. Detroit Rock City. Did you see any, like, awesome Kiss concerts when you were growing up? Absolutely. Um, so a, a good friend of mine, father worked for the police department and did um, security on the side for at Cobo Arena, if anybody who's been to Detroit. So yeah. we went to all the concerts. Oh, my God. Like like Bob Seger? Bob everyone? Seger was my first concert. Are you serious? Yeah, and I was like seventh grade or something. Oh my god, he wasn't one hundred and five. He was badass. Bob Seger was badass back then. He I mean, still he's still is. badass, but yeah. I mean, now he's just an older badass. <laughs> so, so who was on the job in the Detroit Rock City and the fire department? So my father um, uh, retired as senior chief. So in Detroit, you've got the chief, you got a deputy chief, and then you got three senior chiefs. So he was one of the three senior chiefs when he oh, retired. Wow, he was up there. He was, and uh, he left kicking and screaming. You have mandatory retirement at 60. So he had 39 years, okay. I think, on when he retired. 
Um, Did you my, still see the claw marks when they, when they <laughs> asked him to go? You know, interestingly, my mother never worked until my father retired. Well, went, <laughs> yeah. And then went and got a part-time job. There's so. one thing that keeps my marriage intact, and it's a 24-48 schedule. So Absolutely. Yeah, I, I got it. And then who else was on in your family? My brother. Uh, my brother still is on. Oh, is, uh, oh, he's still on the job. He is still on. Saying what? What's his rank? Uh, lieutenant, I think. All right. Is he on an engine or a truck company or something? He's or on an it? engine. Um, he actually worked out of the house that was maybe half a mile from where I grew up for twenty years, and he just recently moved to the West Side, a West oh, Side kidding. station. Yeah. How many years is he? So how many years is he on? Oh, 24, 23, something like that. Oh, so he's got some time left. That he does. Maybe even longer. I don't know. You didn't want to be a female firefighter in Detroit? Um, well, I grew up around firefighters, so no, <laughs> Sorry, I did not. <laughs> Absolutely Learned not. real quick. I don't want to be around those drunken perverts. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I'll just make money off of them. I don't want to, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Good for no. you. So 23, 24 years on is, uh, it's a hell, I mean, do you, I mean, you have to remember some pretty wacky zany stuff when you were. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, when I started working with firefighters, which was, uh, 20, more than 20, 25 years ago now, you know, I'd get these calls about things that happened and my perception of what was normal was completely skewed by Detroit. Right. So, um, I mean, before we went on air, I was just talking about, you know, we would go to the stations a lot. Um, and they were open to the neighborhood kids. And, you know, I lived in a neighborhood that was a lot of police and a lot of fire. We were this enclave, kind of like Mount, what Mount Greenwood is right. now. Um, and so, you know, they would go on a call. It would be a false alarm or whatever. They, they wouldn't go back to the house. They'd go to the neighborhoods, and they would give kids rides on these fire engines, right? And they'd open up the, the fire hydrants on a hot day. And, um, you know, we would go and hang out at the, at the fire stations when our dads were on shift. Um, so I, you know, and every Friday they got paid weekly. We would go and pick up my dad's paycheck and every Friday without, without <laughs> exception, they'd all be around the TV with the Playboy station on and some guy, you know, jacking with the, with the, with the, the cheated cable with the, with the bunny ears. And, you know, I, as I got yeah. older, I think, you know, all the kids are coming here, right? You right. know, to pick up their dad's paycheck. Can you not watch this for a couple hours? And no. Without exception. Yeah. It was, so, um, so when I, you know, started working and I'd hear like, oh, there was, you know, the Hustler magazine, there's fights going on and I, and I'm like, and, you yeah, know, right. what, what's the problem? So it, it, what happened and what I was exposed to growing up, you know, prepared me well for, uh, the fire working with the fire service. But, um, yeah, I, it was a rude awakening that things out that were normal in Detroit in the 80s and 70s were not normal. When well, I, I think we were talking about beforehand, you pretty much just described the Berwyn Fire Department <laughs> through about 2008. <laughs> so, yeah. Or a lot of them, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. But it, it, it does kind of prepare you because it will get into it. But, I mean, do you ever, as an attorney, well, first of all, how did you, so you're, so you're in Detroit and your dad and brother are on, uh, you're now in, in, wait, I have to ask this. You know, I've never asked you this. Are you a you're a Detroit Tigers fan? God damn it. I love them. Oh. It's sad, though. I mean, you yeah. don't have the old Tiger Stadium to go back to. But Just, I need a second. You need a moment? Oh, this is a white side. I can't believe we're in the same. Is, is it worse than <laughs> being a Cubs fan or what? No, nothing's worse than being a Cubs fan, but it's still disappointing. Because, you know, I have such this like, incredible, I mean, it's, I guess you have two faults. That and the other one we'll get to in a minute talk about it but that was really one of them that hurt but anyway how did you 
come from? How did you, so you, you're in Illinois, obviously now. What? How did okay. you make your way here? Law school. Um, I went to undergrad at Michigan State, and really, I mean, I you know when I started out, I never thought really about law school or or working with firefighters necessarily, but. Mm-hmm. It's something that, you know, you grow up with, you know, um, it's kind of ingrained in you. And I really started out thinking I was going to do exclusively kind of employee rights and was active in some social thing, social activism in undergrad. And then I moved here and, um, you know, you, you never think about being a unionist or being a union advocate. But in Detroit, um, you know, you were either on, you know, the east side of Eight Mile or the west side of Eight Mile, and that was kind of the dividing line between um, management for the big three for GM and Ford and Chrysler, or you were on the other side, which was you know the blue collar people, and it was the fire and the police, and so it was um, you know something that we grew up with and lived with, but didn't really think um, that you're making a decision or a choice to be a union advocate or it was a union kind of ingrained. It was just what you were and what you did. Um, so, I mean, in addition to growing up with a lot of police and fire families, um, you know, you had UAW families everywhere too. So, um, you know, when there were labor issues and strikes, the whole neighborhood was affected by it. So, um, we definitely grew up with that, that feeling. I guess I'm curious now that you're kind of bringing that side of the story up because, you know, we were talking before, I think for our listeners here in the fire side of things is unique, but what do you remember about like the decline in union work and all that in Detroit. I mean, obviously that was during your time growing up there, there mm-hmm. was a big difference in what you saw and what you I, saw in the community, I, I think. see devastation. It absolutely was. Um, and my father refused. You know, Detroit did not get residency outside the city until after, long after I had moved out. But um, a lot of people had residencies in the, in the city and second homes or vacation homes um, somewhere else. Um, my father refused to leave. You know, Detroit was his his city, um, and he really felt that. And, um, you know, my brother, as soon as they had residency, it was, I think, 35 miles. He's like 34.85 yeah. miles outside the city. <laughs> I mean, it's a different town now, but, um, you know, it was it was the, the place that we lived in. But you did see a lot of families moving out, and, um, you know, now I go back and the, the street through, that I grew up on, my house is still there. But, you know, in a city long block, there's maybe three houses left. They're all burned out. Um, and it's just incredibly sad to see that. I, I've never seen anything like that. One of our guys on his off days does uh, real estate appraisals and stuff for like a bigger, bigger company. And they had actually sent him out to Detroit several years ago to mm-hmm. do that from the from here. And he was coming back with these photos. And it was really amazing because you think of Detroit as, in my mind, a major American city minus an actual baseball team, but whatever. <laughs> and you think of them as this major American city. And he's coming back with exactly that. I can remember seeing, you know, one house in the photo and then – like nature took back over on on the block. Like it was it was weird to see when you think of a, a major what I think of as an urban area. Yeah, and there's definitely places now that are coming back. You know, in the yeah. city, and it's a little bit. You know, there's a, a hipsters very, everywhere, hipsters and an artist community. Um, and you know, five ten years ago, there was a movement to turn a lot of Detroit into farmland to really farm the land. I mean, that's how much devastation there is in certain neighborhoods. Um, so. You know, I, um, my uh, parents passed away a few years ago and I, and I think I was, it was after my 
dad had these plots in a Detroit cemetery, which is in a not great area. And I uh, remember driving by the house that I grew up in, and um, one of my brother's friends who's um, who carries a gun in Detroit followed my family, and he said, what the hell are you doing? You know, you cannot be driving around this neighborhood. So followed us. I just wanted to show my kids where I'd grown up kind of thing. And um, anyway, so it, it's uh, it's awful. Do you go back a lot? Did you, did you, did you? I, I, you know, now that both my parents have passed away, I don't go back as often. Um, but I certainly don't go back to the neighborhood I grew up in. You know, my brothers have all moved out. Um, my dad, when he retired, moved out um, of the city. Um, but still had the the house for a long time. It's nice to see, though, like you, you were saying, it's a little bit of a renaissance, I mean, there, and, and not to, you know, we, we want to move into other things, but it is cool, like, you know, a lot of the old homes are being rehabbed, and there's an artist community, and people are moving in, and it's not what you think of when you think of, you know, Detroit in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but but it's good. It's a good thing to see. Yeah, it uh, definitely is hopefully coming, you know, coming having a comeback. Yeah. There's certain pockets that, that are in certain It'll take time. So then you're here in Illinois. Is Asher the first job out of law school? It was. I clerked there actually in law school. And, um, you know, when I decided to to get into labor, um, Asher was the place to be. Um, they, you know. Now it's Pachowski, Golo, Marzullo, <laughs> Asher. Absolutely. We're just, we're a far second. Oh, but, yeah, um, distant I mean, second. One of the founding members of the firm, Bless Asher, he, you know, worked for the War Labor Board, which was the predecessor to the NLRB. Um, Marvin Gittler was the guy to work with, and Joel, you know, was not far behind. Um, so they, both Marvin and Joel, really took me under their wing and gave me an amazing opportunity. And, um, you know, it, it has continued for the last I don't know, 25, 26 years, however long I've been there. But um, it still is, um, I really do feel like we walk the walk. You know, we... Um, really believe in what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I both know you can make a hell of a lot more money working for management. So um, we do this because we do believe um, in overall in the labor cause, but specifically um, for the rights of firefighters and the safety. And, you know, so that's an important issue. Yeah, um, I think two things to that. First, um, when you look across the table at an employer council who is completely and obviously unprepared and may not even know which client they're representing at that moment, and you think of how much they're billing for the hour, the bile comes up. You know, you get like a little, <laughs> <laughs> little. But yeah, I mean, you know, a clear conscience is a soft pillow. And it's it's funny. Like, I, I kind of grew up the same. You might father started a police union and um you know they just he they thought they could do it better my grandfather was an operating engineer for 40 years so i agree with you like it's just it's kind of that whole um you believe in what you're doing because it's right and somebody has to protect these people so you know that's it's a good thing it, it is a very very good thing and so you're you're 25 20 20 so you started must have started at asher when you were Two. like 12 years old that's absolutely i was a prodigy you're right <laughs> So, um, what, you know, I mean, I guess a little bit of, well, anything about the background, anything else that you want to, any questions that you have, anything along those lines? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask or really let everybody know to kind of shatter this myth. Again, I just, I need to get it out there before we get into anything else. You also like professional wrestling. We've talked about that. I, I used to, 
Um, Did so I sway in, you? Please tell me that I had something no. to do so with you. So here's the thing. Like in Detroit, Detroit wrestling was a big thing in Detroit. And Mike Loretto and I have gotten into it um, about this. So He's the worst human alive. You know, um, and my one of my brothers is still a big fan, so I should probably connect him with Mike. But, um, you know, we would see The Sheik and Andre the Giant and all that stuff. So I think the greatest wrestler of all time is the, the famous the Moolah. No, the- it's a woman. It's the famous Moolah. And, of course, you know, Loretto thinks it's like Ric Flair or something. I don't know who he thinks it is. but So two things. It's just everybody knows. I could obviously not – I was not going to represent my home local because it's like representing your aunt on a real estate closing and nothing's going to end well there. So I said you need to – if I can't represent you, of course. And I hand-delivered Fighting 506 over. But um, that began your weird wrestling relationship with Mike who – at this point, next time you talk to him, just so you're aware, I think he truly believes at this point he's Ric Flair. He has had some sort of mental where he's crossed over Breakdown. the river sticks, and he believes <laughs> that he's Ric Flair. He point. does send me <laughs> pictures of him and Ric Flair, yes. so there's something. That's yeah, kind of frightening. So there you go. All right, let's move into um, – I mean, obviously we have you here, so let's move into some different topics that you and I have, have worked on or talked about in the past with with the different stuff. Um, I kind of wanted to turn it into – well, first of all, I, I kind of wanted to talk about discipline. I've had a lot of discipline cases lately. Um, one of the things, if you've seen – so I had, I had Jeff Jacobs, who's a really great arbitrator out of Minnesota – or Minneapolis, rather – and I lost a disciplinary arbitration with him. And in and I should have, in the opinion, he basically says, this, this is, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but kind of not. Yes, it is very clear that this police sergeant had a very bad day on this day when he took these actions, whatever. Arguably, he had a worse day when he decided to, you know, basically lie horribly during the course of his formal interrogation. <laughs> so <laughs> funny, not funny, but funny. So, you know, base, and he goes on to kind of say, look, if the guy wouldn't have lied during this, which, by the way, wasn't his attorney. He decided he was going to hire his own counsel for that. Uh, you know, I, I really would have seriously looked at, at putting this guy on the job. And I think it's something that, you know, we've talked about in discipline seminars. It's something that we've talked about, you know, just advising clients and bringing, and, you know, I just like, you know, you bring a guy into a room, you're like, look, man, this is how this is going to go. You got to answer the questions, the whole thing. But um, just you know, thoughts on discipline or that, I'm sure you have your own stories of individuals, uh, you know, from there. So, well, in my experience over the last couple of years, um, I've seen less and less harsh discipline of firefighters. And I think that's fueled by a couple of things. Um, one is that I think departments and districts are really struggling to hire. And so they are taking a very, I think, different approach than they were three or four years ago. Um, you know, do you want to get rid of this 18-year guy who's got amazing experience and, and experience? And um, and who are you going to replace that with? You're going to be struggling to find the replacements. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of turnover in departments that we've been seeing that we haven't, I personally haven't, you know, seen in the last 20 years. Um, so I think, you know, things that may have been um, hands down, um, you know, going for termination several years ago, um, we are now seeing that people are not taking that extreme step. Um, so, and to your point, you know, um, about these interrogations that uh, under the Disciplinary Act, we have both spoken um, 
more times than not about the most important thing here is to be honest, because even if whatever they did um, is not going to be as bad as lying during the interrogation. So if you, and you always get those individuals who think that they are smarter than the interrogator, but they typically are asking you the questions they already know the answers to. It's just unbelievable. You tell people at all these conferences and seminars, you tell your locals, you tell them before you walk in, I actually tell them, if you're going to lie, you better make sure that you're 100% going to get away with it, right? And no one's ever 100%. You can never be 100%. 100% and that's proven over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, especially in Jeff Jacobs' opinion where he's like, what are you talking about? Um, but it's just – it is something that I've seen and it's kind of a disturbing trend where I guess these guys just – you know, I, I don't know. I just wanted to use it as an opportunity with you here to just kind of reiterate when you're going into a disciplinary interrogation, yeah, like they know – basically the answers when they're asking you these questions. Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, over the course of my career that I have mastered is not reacting to when somebody, you know, somebody just <laughs> t- tells a bald place lie, you know, you're like, yeah, of course that's the way it happened, even though you told me something else, you know. Five minutes ago, ago right. in that room right um, over there. So the non-reaction is a special art. Your poker face has gotten better. Is what, <laughs> it's true. Is, is what you're saying. You do not want to play poker with me. I'm trying to think of the other kind of discipline. I mean, that's really the big one that I'm seeing. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's 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 really a different set of change circumstances out there. Certainly, with current events and you know the police bill that passed, and there's just a lot of oversights, and and I think our guys are not immune to that. Um, kind of moving into that, it's going to be a very different world. I mean, I guess it already is, but you, we have the, the issue that you didn't have to deal with 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. I'm sure you've seen this difference from the time you started practicing at age 12 till now, uh, which is also the, the body cameras and the social media and the, and the cell phones out there. And I have the experience of doing this as an attorney, but also running calls like I'm on shift tomorrow. And you know that when you catch that call at seven o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, there's a hundred people out there filming you. It is just unbelievable. So I'm seeing more and more and more and more of those cases. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. I think there, um, there are definitely some departments that are, that are attempting to put surveillance cameras in the bays, um, which we fight against pretty, uh, pretty, hard um because people you know you're living there for 20 40 24 48 hours right and so people are gonna goof around sometimes it doesn't need to be caught on camera um outside the station um you people you are on camera you have to assume you are on camera 100 percent. i don't care if you are passing somebody's ring doorbell or some gas station or, or whatever it is you are on camera, and if they want to go to the extent of finding all those cameras, they can. They can, and they sometimes do. Um, well, but to, to your point, though, you know, on the body worn cameras, you know, that's now going to become the law of the land. Now, there's a lot of municipalities who have already instituted body worn cameras, but like looking at my own local department, our officers don't have them. They're going to get them with this new bill. So you have, you know, years and years of running calls and not having to think that an officer has a body-worn camera, and they do, or they're go- that's going to happen. So now you're actually on the call, maybe, you know, with the officer and not somebody filming you from 30 feet away, you're going to be on camera again as well, right? So um, I've seen a lot of social media discipline. I know you have as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just really, uh, you know, 
you have to police yourself on what you are posting on social media. Um, the problem is, you know, when you're off shift, it's not necessarily you. It's, you know, somebody, your neighbor that right. might be taking a picture of you that they think is harmless, but when it gets posted on social media, um, can become problematic. So, you know, you don't, you hate to tell these guys you're on 24, you know, hours a day, 375 days a year, 65 days a year. Yeah, um, good enough. Close leap enough. Years. It was a leap year. Leap year. Um, but the reality is you just need to be careful um, about all social media. And unfortunately, um, people don't pay attention to that. And they post things sometimes with their department insignia visible. Sure. And so it can be problematic. But um, It's a large bulk of the discipline now, though now, isn't it? I mean, I've seen, I've seen a good amount – of social media discipline over the last few years. Just to that, I, I got a, a, a police officer, union president, who's, you know, he, I don't know, he gave the camera a finger at a private backyard barbecue, just like I have like a million times, and they want to whack him for two days. I mean, it just, it's, it seems that it's getting more and more. I don't know from your perspective if it's increasing, but maybe it's just lucky me, you know? Well, I, I think that, um, we now, you know, when this, um, you know, a lot more things are going viral now. And so where before it might not be anything, now you got, you know, the the neighbor calling and saying, hey, this guy is, you know, a Berwyn uh, Fire Department employee and he did X, Y, and Z. And it just starts circulating. And then you have these public, quote unquote, outcries about things that, you know, right. a couple of years ago, the chief may have said, hey, Dumbass, don't do that. Now you have, you know, 25 calls from people complaining about something because they saw it on some social media post. So I think it's a response to public reaction to things as well. We've gotten way more litigious. 30 years ago, you can go to a firehouse in Detroit and get a ride on the fire engine around the block, right? I still do. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a lost weekend in Cleveland once where I was bar hopping in a Cleveland engine, but it's a different story for a different day and just yeah, not you know, entirely appropriate. There was, uh, I was also mentioning this earlier, but um, so we did, you know, ride on the stations. We would climb on the rigs and engines all the time. And, um, but in the early 70s, there was a tiller driver that came out, his, was decapitated. And so for a long time, none of the kids would go on <laughs> anything. So uh, we, we did get past that, but. There was a there child was, outcry. There, well, you know, we just figured we'd all lose our heads if we got on the engine. Right. We didn't really understand what was happening. So um, anyway. So what else am I – so I, our goal kind of was – for this was to kind of us to kick the can around on different trends and topics and stuff that we're seeing. And the first one was discipline because I am seeing – and again, the social media is the disturbing trend. Is there anything else on discipline that we need to discuss? I think that was kind of about any, it. Anybody had any problems on podcasts? Just checking. No, oh, no. I mean, other than Free just speech. getting, just other than just getting asked for autographs. Do you know what I mean? Just being stopped randomly on the street, asked for photos and autographs. Do they just identify by your voice how silky and velvety it is? <laughs> no, they're like, that that chubby, funny-looking guy that I recognize him from the photos. So, so there you go. Um, yeah, I, I, I. Okay. So, discipline aside, the next thing I wanted to talk about is. Um, the Substitutes Act. We talked about. We were going to talk. We mm -hmm. we had talked about this previously. So, 
you're still have used the Mattoon rulings really. My ruling in Strader was simply was was collective bargaining proposals and whether or not that was permissive as it violated the Substitute Act. I was very proud of that. I was like the first, I think, substitute ruling and 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 there and it, they they wanted to do it by by proposal in that Mattoon builds off of all of the previous stuff and has all sorts of substitute act issues. Can you really just explain to everybody what is going on in Mattoon and what the issue was, the history there and what's going on with it? Sure. So um, <clears throat> in Mattoon, um, for a period of time, well, before the ULP and the litigation, for about 10 or 15 years, they um, ran ambulance calls and they were on a three and or a rotation, um, they would be on primary for a week, and then there would be two privates that would rotate and would be on primary the second and third week and rotate back. Um, in 2017, they uh, city council voted to basically get out of the ambulance service and um, then eventually did that in the following summer. Um, our argument was under the Substitutes Act that rotation that was exclusively ours or was primarily ours during the those rotations, um, taking that away and giving that exclusively to the privates was a violation of the right. substitute. That's act. our work, right? That's our work. Um, so the big argument that the city made was that we're mm -hmm. not hiring them; we're just giving all the work to these privates, and so therefore that doesn't trigger a violation of the Substitutes Act. Um, and our position was: Substitutes Act doesn't say hire; it says use. Right. We're using them. Um, you know, you have to get special licensure requirements through city council and things to do this kind of work. You are policing this. You are monitoring this. Um, so we filed a DR um, also. There was a ULP. Um, the, the ALJ um, ruled in favor of the city. We appealed. And when we were before the full board, which was, and just to give some history, what Jerry was talking about with Streeter and also with Mattoon and some other cases, there were declaratory rulings, which aren't binding necessarily. Right. So we were like, you know, look, we got to get a board decision on this one way or the other. Um, and we were, um, argued the case and we had a lot of support from Luke and Chuck and other AFFI locals that came to that oral argument. And I think that that really spoke to the board about how important an issue that this was for the fire service. Um, and so the board said, look, you know, you're using, um, Privates when you used to use Mattoon firefighters to provide the service, and that's a violation of the Substitutes Act. So that is up on appeal. Not surprisingly, IML has filed an amicus brief. So um, I think our brief is due the 23rd, 25th um, of this March. This month, right? Right. Um, AFFI is going to be filing an amicus um, in support of that. So, um, you know, they will we'll probably have arguments sometime late spring, early summer on it. Yeah. So... That's kind of where we are. They are trying to chip away um, at the ability to um, use privates and make these little distinctions here and there and privatize. So um, that's kind of where we are on it right now. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. When you understand how firehouses actually operate, you can – I know that I'm biased, of course, but you can understand the union's position. I mean, if I call in sick for the day and you already have, you know, part-timers or privates that are already employed there and instead of using a bargaining unit member to fill that seat, you're going and using the currently existing private or, part, you know, part-time or whatever, that's a substitute. So, right. yeah, I, it's it's – it's um, it was an interesting argument for the employer to take. I, it's not here. I heard a rumor that 
at one point during the unfair labor practice hearing that the judge had asked employer counsel, you know, what the current status of the privates are. And I think you yelled they went bankrupt or something like that. Did I? No, but it was two <laughs> privates. I think one of them actually yeah. went out of business. Yeah. I don't know if they went bankrupt. I mean, but, they went out of business. Um, so there was two privates. Now it's one. Um that's replacing. And but in current, you know, I, f- I forgot. I I knew this, and I and I just forgot it as as time has gone on. But currently, right now, pending the appeal, what do they do? What is the? It's is it the? Is it one and one now? No, it's uh, it's purely one. private. Purely private. Yeah, purely yeah, private. The, the, yeah, the I emails forgot. are sitting in a barn of a uh, council members, like literally sitting in a barn. They just took them out of the stations, put them in a barn, and they're sitting there rotting. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe it's like a home for raccoons or something like that. Mice and everything else, yeah. So when Mattoon AFFI wins that ruling, they're going to have to spend all sorts of money to rehab those ambulances, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they'll sit there and say they don't have money for wages because they had to rehab the ambulances. So that'll happen. Yeah. I mean, Mattoon's got a lot going on. They they have a minimum manning um, clause and not complying with it. We, again, part of it is because they can't hire people. Yeah. Um, I, and part of that problem is, you know, the city manager is going, yeah, I can make you this offer, but, um, you know, we might have to lay you off in six months. So right. who the hell is going to take that I job? Have that. I, have, I have central Illinois locals right now that, you know, they go to test and there's like two people turning in an application. And, you know, you go to talk to them about certain things like, and, and I get, I, I love, I understand residency. I understand it. You know, people want to send their kids to school and they want to, you know, I, I get it. But, you know, the reality of the situation is, is that, that unless you expand residency in 2021, today's hires, you, you today trying to expand the hiring pool, you may have a problem attracting, uh, um, qualified applicants. It just is, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I, in 2021, to me, it just seems kind of arbitrary at this point. Like residency has opened up and you have these places and I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but talking about just inability to hire, you know, you have a place now with the internet, it's like almost everybody's free agents and they're looking up contracts and seeing what the, what the, what the benefits are of those contracts. And they all look at residency. So what are you going to do? Well, you know, and the other thing is you got, um, a number of people who, you know, you have contracts. If you if you leave within a year, you got to pay so much for your yes. training. You know, whatever. Um, and so, you know, you have people going, "Hey, how can I get out of this?" I'm like, "Look, you know, you just went to one of the highest paid <laughs> locals. Cut like, a deal. Um, you're going to make up the difference." And so, you do see. It was I don't I don't know if I'd say rare, but it was not common for people to hop around from department to department. And you are seeing that now. You are seeing people hop around a little bit more than you used to because they have these opportunities for richer contracts and better benefits. And so I think it's making it more competitive, um, which is a good thing for us, right? So um, we are seeing that. And, th- and there are some locals that have come, or some communities that have come to the locals, you know, mid-contract and said, hey, you know, we got to raise the yes, starting wage. Yes, that, yes. And so we say, okay, and we, you know, we've obviously negotiated along with that some, some differential between the steps, but, um, so, you know, first time I've ever seen that in, you know, a 
a long time of doing this work is they're coming to us mid-contract saying we got to we gotta yeah. raise the raises. And, and, but then on the other side, which is on Forge, my soapbox speech for a moment, you know, I, I have one of my, again, Central Illinois locals that has a, you know, a 30-mile residency radius. And when you sit there and bargain, you ask them, you know, well, why the 30 miles? And when was the last time there was an actual callback, et cetera? And they don't have answers for these things. So then they're complaining that, you know, they have like one or two applicants and then you're identifying at the table what those issues are and why they're only having them. And then they just kind of look at you and blink. I mean, you can't even, it's almost like we're not going to give this up because we know that would benefit you. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, I suppose. You know, you can't right. sit there and claim and then have this arbitrary residency thing that everybody knows is out there when they can go to the next town over that's also having applicant problems and there maybe is no resident, you know, residency is the state of Illinois or some, you know, great, it, it, I don't, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, I suppose, but it is what it is. Yeah. So, um, so what else am I missing about Matuda? Anything? No, we've kind of covered that. No, I think I want to give it a little bit of an update. Yep. Um, what you have, do you have Belleville for placebo? Is that your, we do. You have Belleville. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to see, so I have, so we, I just got the ruling in Peoria, mm -hmm. which was a very, very good ruling. Where are you? And I'll, I can kind of go into that in a minute. But where is the Belleville? Where are you guys? Are you still in the circuit court with that? Or what's yes. the deal? Okay. Um, so we had summary judgment. We actually moved to provide supplemental authority once the Peoria decision came out. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so that we haven't gotten a decision from that. But I don't anticipate getting any different. Was it the same model ordinance? Was it the, I, I think there may have been a couple of different changes, but it was that IML model ordinance that everybody correct. tried to get passed. Yes. So. so just so everybody is aware out there that's listening to this, what we identified a few years ago is that the IML had proposed a model ordinance for the Public Safety Employee Benefits Act, which basically said use your home rule authority to completely Gut. redefine <laughs> gut and redefine in a very employer-friendly way uh, definitions under placebo and what it means to be catastrophically disabled and add gainful work requirements and all sorts of stuff. I actually have the 2017 memo from the IML on that. So um, one of my locals, Peoria, they passed that, you know, hook, line and sinker. Um, and then you, of course, sued uh, one in the circuit court that this was an improper use of home rule. Uh, and then now just on February 1st got the decision in the third district uh, affirming the circuit court ruling basically in layman's terms, this is absurd. You don't have the authority to do this. So I would anticipate kind of a, a same ruling in Belleville. And then hopefully that'll be the end of it. Yeah, right? I mean, there were there are a number of locals um, uh, across the state that tried it. The only ones who wouldn't back off were Peoria and Belleville. Belleville. So as soon as, you know, they did pass these ordinances, we said, oh, well, here's the complaint we're going to file against you. That's and, what I did, yeah. And they, they backed off. So um, we were successful in that regard, and, except for those two places. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I guess what we're going to have to do then is once these all the, you know, once the rulings are all done, I think they, in Peoria at least, I have heard rumors that they wouldn't commit one way or another, but it's going to be due Monday or something. Uh, that they are filing a PLA uh, to try to get in front of the Illinois Supreme Court. So we'll see what happens and whether that's taken up or not. <laughs> we'll see. But because I was like, look, what are you going to because the by the, in the circuit court ruling, they ordered uh, um, they ordered costs uh, to the union and they did not appeal that portion of the ruling. So there you go. 
Um, so now I'm waiting to see if they're going to try to get in front of the Illinois Supreme Court or not, and good luck to them on that. But hopefully this will end the placebo litigation. Once this dust settles, do you think – I can't see any other – I'm hoping this ends the saga from the late 90s of placebo. I can't see any other way we're we're going to have issues, but we'll we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think with every victory under placebo, we think it's the last argument that they're going to – and then they come up with something else. Yeah. I mean they are, I think, perpetually trying to diminish those benefits. So I don't think from a legislative front that's ever going to end um, – Legislatively, no, I agree with you. There will always be a bill introduced. Right. Yeah. But. Um, but I think that there's usually a couple of years in between different legal attacks. You know, we went through uh, the different cases, the Crowey case and thing like that. So yeah. there's usually a couple year break and then they come the up with some other. The occupational disease, disability and all of that stuff. Right. So they usually take a couple year break until they brainstorm, I guess, at these IML meetings. I don't know. So the 900-pound, I always say the 900-pound elephant in the room besides me is uh, <laughs> is, is COVID. But mm. I don't, I don't want to get into that. So there were a couple topics I wanted to talk to you about, which was discipline, social media, uh, the Substitutes Act, the placebo case, some of the really kind of more active stuff and what you and I are seeing. What else am I missing or th- thinking out there as far as non-COVID? I mean, it's kind of about it's kind of about it as far as trends, what I'm seeing. Am I missing anything? No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the wonderful world. <laughs> the we have wonderful to. world of COVID nineteen <laughs> that just makes you want to. Oh God, it's like it's enough already. Um, first of all, the stimulus bill is in the Senate, so I think we're looking at about three hundred fifty billion dollars nationwide. I've heard like seven and a half billion to the state of Illinois. No, seven and a half billion total state. Of, wait. Something like that. It's like five. Billion. A lot of money. A lot of, there's a lot of zeros <laughs> that are coming and there's a breakdown. And But so that would be coming as soon as what, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, you would think? I don't know. Uh, I don't know maybe. how they, tra- how do you transfer that? Like, how do you like, what do you. Pony you, Express. You call up the state and say, give us, you just hit like enter and a bunch of fucking zeros or <laughs> whatever. Um, but what else? So have you seen any employer mandating vaccines? No. I have not either. I've and I don't seen, think they can. I, yeah, I, I think. They, you know, they get creative with these declination forms where, you know. Uh, I, we should talk about that, yeah. Yeah. And, and so um, actually one of Susan's locals, I think in Winnetka, um, at first, you know, you, you see these ones that say I'm declining. I know I'm putting my family and the community and my coworkers at risk and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to burn in hell denial, and, right. um, and trying to waive your workers' comp benefits. Yes. And then they got a little bit smarter saying, you know, kind of the same thing. You're going to burn an L. But um, if you get COVID, and you, you can't use your sick time. Right. Um, so, and I was kind of like, well, if it's a worker's comp, they can't use your sick time anyway. Right. But there were different ways that they were trying to sneak in um, some penalty for not taking the vaccine. So we've addressed those have they, as they've come up. That was, you know, maybe a month, two months ago. That was kind of a little bit heavier. It, it it's, did rear up. Yeah. And yeah. now it's... Um, I think that the word got around, like, you can't do X, Y, and Z, and so people have kind of really fallen into line well, on that. What I found is that the employer either just dropped it, nobody was signing anything, or they were working with us on the right language for it. That, right. You know, if you want to deny, you know, if you wanted to sign that they, they're declining, and I get it, but that's kind of about the end of that, right? right. Yeah. Yes. So I, I saw that. Um, wait, so we talk, I want to talk to you about the vaccine mandate. 
Um, I have seen a lot of just straight up denial, forcing the employer to file grievances on, you know, PETA time, improper sick time usage, et, et, et cetera. And really, I think, I don't know if you agree, but really, I think it's just the employer challenging the local, are you going to spend a bunch of time and expense over two shift days or something like that, 24 hours? I've, I've seen a lot of that nitpickiness. Yeah. And, you know, we recently had a, an arbitration where, um, you know, a member had gotten COVID from a work exposure very early on, early March, um, and they gave him paid admin leave, you know. It took a couple of months for them to get their act together and then came up with a COVID policy and then went back, unbeknownst to the member, recoded, you know, all of his time as, oh, yeah, that's COVID time. Oops. And then he had a second exposure, like, at the end of the summer, and they're like, yeah, you're out of time. And he's like, you know. So, yeah, we've seen uh, some of that where that was the only place that we called him out, and they're, like, sticking to their guns. Most of the places, like – Hey, you know, you can't really retroactively apply a policy and not tell anybody. And so once we called them out on that, they're like readjusted it. But we've also seen kind of uh, an attempt to retroactively apply travel bans or. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, while you were in Florida, we passed this policy that, <laughs> that says when you come back, you got to quarantine for yeah. 14 days. Yeah. So sorry. Um, we've settled those. Um, I actually just got a call about it yesterday. Um, another place trying to do that. So um, that we've seen. You know, not as much now, but that was kind of sporadic when you know all the travel bans were going up. So. Well, and, I, and I've had the I've had cases where now in twenty one uh, with the expiration of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, now they're you know work comp, what does work comp do? They're just denying everything, challenging you to try to prove causation and challenging whether or not you'll hire attorney on these days. So really, you know, these locals have filed grievances and, you know, I mean, I just settled one where it was like buying a used car. I mean, it was like, okay, we've got multiple people here. How some, we, we think we can show not whatever, what are you thinking? And you're really going case by case trying to settle. I'm like, all right, you know, give me 50 cents on the dollar on this one. And we're going <laughs> to sub. What are you going to, it's like the wild west out there, you know? So, um, so I have seen that, um, wanted to talk to you about the vaccines, um, what else am I missing COVID wise? I mean, the funding is the big deal. I, I have some communities that are waiting for, to hit enter on that, on that money with no reserves. I mean, there's some, some seriously hurt, devastated communities out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, throughout the year, you know, we'll see what happens with the funding. Um, you know, even in districts that are totally driven by property tax, you know, you're hearing, well, there might be a property tax freeze. You know, so I think that we are for at least a year, maybe even two, going to see the fallout yeah. from this. And so how that affects people, we just but have to kind of wait and see. But the fallout isn't as much, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the state of Illinois is down 2% in funding and per capita income in Illinois actually increased by $7,000 last year. Like, yeah. Don't let the employer fool you into how devastated they are by COVID because what they have found, pension fund returns have been incredible. I mean, right. You, right. So look, I, we made it through, you know, 08, 09. I, I think now is nothing compared to what no. it was in that time period. So if we got through that, we can, we can get through this. And I, I do think that you just need to, you know, you got to watch these, where are they spending the money? Correct. Um, so you got to police that, I think, and be careful about keeping up on it. Yes. What other topics, trends um, are going to be coming down the road that you can you can see? 
Um, I, I think the trend, and I don't think it's a trend now, but I do think that you are going to see more departments looking for concessions oh, and yeah. crying broke. Um, and that's what, that's what I, where I do see it. I think that, you know, hopefully with the, the vaccines coming out and being, um, getting a quote unquote herd immunity, I think we will get past this, but I think the impact of that, um, I, look, I, as a community, um, we are forever changed. And so I do think that there are going to be new safety protocols and things that are going to be, be negotiated. You know, uh, I think that more um, when contracts are open, I think you're going to see more communities that are going to try to get a civil emergency clause. Sure. Um, so I do see those trends coming um, or anticipate them at least. But right now, I think everybody's just kind of still flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. Yep, and have to follow the money because I've seen communities that if you don't think that this goes on, dear listeners, that, hey, we, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. There's some good opportunity for concessions here, or at least they're going to try to say uh, it is what it is. Um, speaking of, of, well, I don't want to use this in a derogatory way because I'm not, let me back up for a second. I have two pending disability applications for COVID-19 for all the pension funds I represent. So those are starting as well. Uh, people with long lasting well, and neurological is, issues, those things. This is something that I think is important for everybody to know. I don't care if they call it paid admin leave. I don't care if they call it the 80 hours under COVID or the 96 or whatever you're getting. File your form 45. Correct. Because you absolutely do not know the long-term effects of this. So, you know, some people are thinking, hey, I'm getting paid. I don't really care. Um, and when you file those Form 45s, make sure they're not gathering dust in your chief's drawer. I mean, they have to process, uh, process these. Um, and it is because we don't know what's going to happen with this stuff, right? Um, so file them and make sure they are processed. And, you know, they get pressure, I think, from departments. Hey, you know, Irma's going to be bitching about this. Our rate's going to grow up. It's total bullshit. It's your, rates, your rates are not going over for this. So, yeah, right. Um, and if they do, they do. Not our problem. Our, you know, our job is to make sure that you are putting yourself in the best position to protect yourself. So and file them. Good segue on that, Lou. I know there's been some discussion with AFFI um, taking a look at filing the Form 45s and, you know, maybe district VPs looking uh, into um, making sure that people are filing their claims, making sure their rights are protected. Yeah, we... Uh the FFIs worked hard on our members' behalf, and we, we just put out a communication to local leadership that, hey, the governor just signed the extension of the COVID presumptions under the Occupational Disease Act to June 30th. And that's important to protect yourselves because you don't know what's going to happen long term. So we actually just put out a reminder to people like, hey, make sure your members are doing this. Exercise your rights. You know, we work on these laws. We pass these laws to protect you and your family long term. And they, and they should, you know, take that seriously because a lot of chiefs or, or employers or even our members might not think it was a big deal because they didn't really have much of an issue in, in the beginning with it. But uh, you are seeing different cases. Um, there's an article I read today about this uh, poor gentleman that killed himself because he had uh, COVID psychosis. Like he, had, he was sick from it, but then it caused issues within the his brain. brain frog and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yes, there's some brain issues that... But again, it's affecting everybody different, and that's I think that's the hard part about it. And I think the hard part for our memberships to realize, too, is we've never realized things in mass where you have multiple people in your departments having issues, right? Correct. That are exposed to this. You know, you're going to have a guy that hurts his back on an ambulance call or gets hurt at a fire or what have you. 
uh, or maybe unfortunately comes down with cancer. But this is like hitting more people, and I don't think they're taking it as serious because they might not have those issues now, but later on they will, you know, and they could because right. we just we just don't know. And, and there's just the element of you have to call the employer's bluff. If you can file a Form 45 and they either don't process or they process it and work comp right off the bat, it's going to deny the thing. They want you to go away, right? So if 50% of you don't challenge it and it goes away and it sits there, that's a huge win, right? So yeah, yeah I, for sure. Protect yourselves, get the paperwork in, and if you know if there's questions, you know, reach out to our vice presidents. Uh, they can put you in touch with the right people if they need to, um, and as well as our legal counsel for all the locals, both of you. There's questions on this stuff, and we've been pushing all year. You know, Chuck mentioned earlier we did a bunch of videos uh, with both of you. Uh, we've done different webinars. We've done different um, emails and gave out documents on this thing the whole year right. to, in order to protect our members. So, uh, you know, and many have done so, but then there's others, you know, might have just, you know, put stuff to the side and, and not realizing what the long-term effects could be. We just I, don't know. I anticipate employers flying in on these pension disability cases to intervene. Like that is going to be, uh, that is More going fun to be. fun for you. <laughs> It's going to be coming for sure. Um, I had no. That's the, that is what I wanted to cover with COVID for right now. The most important thing was the current again the the extension of the presumption, uh, absolutely, and then just filing the form forty fives, which I, is a f- fantastic point, of course. Um, that's what I have on COVID nineteen in my mental checklist of things that I want to discuss. Giving you spending your super valuable time with us in this bourbon disinfected room. So well, I have both of you, I, I'd like to maybe throw out there some, I don't know, where's some top tips, you know, for file for agreements, file immediately, file it. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> what are, as like good union members, what should they know? Maybe as regular members, what rights should they understand they have? Maybe. And then for our local boards, our local leadership, what are some like top things that you see or wish they were a little more on top of? Oh, I, I got one. Ladies first. I, in regard to COVID, you mean? No, just, no, just in general. general. Oh, um, you know, a couple of tips. Um, you know, Don't other, lie. Yeah, don't lie. Other than, you know, shooting the, the breeze with your officer, if they want a closed-door meeting, you need a union rep present, oh, period. Um, they are no longer your friend. Um, so uh, that, don't lie. Um, and, and, look, read your contracts know what your rights are. Um, You know, people complain about things, but you need to read your contract. You can't enforce your rights if you don't know what they are. So um, I think those are my top three, know your contract. Yeah. And to your point, though, you know, it's hard to do because, uh, you know, when you're talking about other than, you know, kind of shooting the shit with a battalion or something like that, you know, if if you ask for a union rep, and it's hard for our members to do because you all live together, and it's like, oh, I don't want to offend anybody or, you know, do whatever, but... Man, Margaret, you, you you hit it right on the head. It's like the rights are all there. You just have to choose to exercise them as awkward as they may be. And that's that it's hard to do, but hey, it is what it is. You exercise your rights or waive them. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it has. I mean, look, yes, it can be awkward um, depending on who you're meeting with. But, you know, all you have to do is say, hey, chief, can you hold on a second? Yeah. Send a text. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey, Jerry, can you step in with me? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big deal, a big to-do. You know, it's having, um, even if it's not a steward, having a witness present or, or whatever it is. I mean, obviously, you're going to want a union rep to the 
that's preferable because they're going to know how to protect your rights best. But um, I think that is a very important aspect yeah. of it. I think one of the things that I would like to see our guys do more, I can tell a story. So I'm, I'm, I'm bargaining a contract for 5230. So the guys in Schiller Park, and they are very, very good at attending every village board meeting, pulling all the documents, using FOIA, looking through the budgets. I mean, they're very good. And the one thing I would say is it's really dry and boring. Like everybody wants to leave the firehouse. You have family issues. You want to go on vacation. You want to watch the White Sox beat the Tigers that night. Like I get it. You know what I mean? Like, but I have always said like, like, all of that stuff is now publicly available on the website. It's not like it was back in the 70s where you actually had to go to the village board meeting. They're either televised or the documents are in a document center somewhere, et cetera. But you will be amazed at the stuff you will find and be able to kind of call bullshit on with an employer by just, you know, keeping up with your village boards or, or you know, meeting minutes and, and you know, tax levies and et cetera. I just, my tip would be, I, I've always said a local, every local should have like a committee where they you know, like assign like two nerdy dudes to go ahead and do this. You know, that's mine. Like Sean? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right? Man can talk about data for like, I think this is like his license plate, right? I know. Yeah. We he, love you, Sean. When he hears this, you're just going to make his day. Oh, yeah. He, he loves the podcast. <laughs> He's going to be in now, data heaven. Now he got a shout out. Like, yes. I mean, it's going to be huge. So, yes. hey, Sean. Yes. Glad you're with us. It, you did an it, awesome job. The square root of pi is going to be in his head, and just contracts are going to be exploding. So, yes, he's he's very into it. We're you know, lucky to have him, right? Uh, Margaret, just real quick, too, I think, I don't know if we got totally to it. So you started working with the firm. At what point did you get assigned and started working with firefighter locals? Like, who was your first local, and, like, how did that happen? Um, the first local I did work with, I think, was Elk Grove um, or Rockford. I can't remember. And it was um, Elk Grove and Rockford were primarily Joel's um, clients. And so I just started doing ULPs or, you know, post-hearing briefs or helping with interest arbitration. And it just grew over the last couple of decades. Um, so I think... I, I, I'm trying to think who the president was back then in Elk Grove. It was before Howard Hall. I can't remember. Well, I mean, remember. you were 12 or 13 when that was happening. Yes. You couldn't be expected. Yes. To. I think the president in Rockford may have been Brad or Potsy back then. Yeah. Wow, that's that's going back some ways. Yeah, it is. So, so on the, like kind of talking about that too, and just like with your with your family and your dad being on the fire department, did that? I don't know. Is that kind of cool to you like is it like are you happy you kind of got that route working with firefighters does it kind of bring you back to your childhood and that kind of stuff yeah I mean I again you know you don't make this like wasn't this calculated decision it just was a good fit for me you know I felt at home with firefighters and um you know I feel like one of the guys I mean I I don't know of any locals that hold back when they talk to me I mean I do feel like I'm sitting around the kitchen table with them, and that's a, a good thing. I do feel comfortable with it. Um, and there's a lot of things that, um, you know, our, our, our firm has an amazing uh, group of attorneys, but there's some things that people will say something, and then, you know, the newbies will say, what is that? And you know, It's just stuff that you grew up with, right? It's through osmosis, like, oh, this is what it means, or 
Um, so it, it is, um, it feels like home. Yeah. You don't have to deal with this bunk room smell though. That's good. Good for you. Cause it can be amazing. It's just it smells like a goat farm in there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's you don't, you don't have that issue. Well, one time it. we should ask uh, Chuck about eating asparagus at the station. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. It makes your it makes your it makes your pee pee smell the asparagus. I love it. I asked for it purposefully, and then I drink a bunch of water, and it's like a party at the firehouse. It's awesome. No bourbon was consumed during the course of this. Right. I do have to tell you though, um, just going back to Detroit. I don't know if you guys have kept up on it. In the last week, they've had like, <laughs> dinner parties at the, the stations, and like I think a. A BC and then a... Yeah, an engine. Yeah, there's a battalion chief <laughs> yeah. drove off the expressway responding to a fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You, you know. Another guy. And I was like, a dinner party where? And so I read down further and it was like, it was at the station. Yeah. yeah. So again, you know, what's wrong with that? But I was just going to say, I find that sometimes the shocking way in which you could grow up, because if you can make it through the mystical, magical world of Berwyn and Cicero, the only thing left is for a space alien to land on, like, Cermak <laughs> and Austin. And then your response would be... And I guess it be, did the last time you had this podcast, It, it right? did. But then your response would be, oh, oh um... All right, that's cool. You know, like, what's for dinner? What are we doing for dinner at the firehouse? Like, there's nothing shocking, right? Battalion chief drives off a cliff, and you're just like, eh, okay, you know? It wasn't a cliff. I think it was an embankment onto the lodge. Or something. What you, I, I mean, remember. what are you going to do? Happens. It happens. Shit happens when but you party it, naked. It's funny, though, that that, like, happened twice in a week that they have this. I know. You know, alcohol issue. You, what? Could, you know, I mean... One's person issue is another person's karaoke. <laughs> or they were still partying from the first day. I mean, that's, I mean, that's also possible. Look, the guys know how to fight fires, and that's what matters. They're very good at their jobs. And they that's, do. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah. So whatever. All right, final thoughts. Leave us with something sublime. Leave us with something profound. Tell us an amazing Joel Diablo not- story. Tell us just some. I've told you amazing Joel Diablo stories about my experiences with the Buddha. But tell us some amazing. Tell us, tell us one weird habit of Joel. Well, Diablo. what's the likelihood that he would actually listen? He's to not me? listening to this. He's. Are you kidding me? He's so far above in the clouds. This will be the one. Thing I, he does. I think this, <laughs> this will be the what? The one thing he actually. Jerry's um, trying to set you up so you can get more of your locals. I think that's what he's doing yeah. right no. now. I'm, I already have an email ready to go. Are you shocked by the shocking behavior of this law firm? Call me now, like WGN billboards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think Joel is amazing. Amazing. He is probably one of the finest attorneys I have ever known. Um, he is quirky, but that's why clients love him. So. He has his ways. He does. He has his ways, which is why he was accurately depicted. And I think in my that, you know, figure. the fact that we're even talking about him, he's just going to be. He's there. His head's going to be. Um, he know. loves Berwyn Cicero politics. Talks to me about it. He, he want, I'm taking I him know. to Freddy's when the he vaccine's does. over. He and I are going to go to Freddy's and we are in, on 16th and 61st. Anybody, it is the best in the world. And I'm going to feed him everything. I'm going to order the left side of the menu he and we'll see what happens. He has been stuck in his attic. For the better part of a year. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, literally uh, stuck. He can't open the door. I, so well, he, I think that, you know, his wife probably, like, locked it. So yes. he couldn't come out. But um, he does come to the office occasionally. But, yes, uh, he is. Now Freddie's delivered to his house. You should. Where is he? Is he in the city? He's in Oak Park. 
Oh, that's right. He's in Oak Park. He's right there. I know. That's why he goes there. I'll get the buggy. I'll drive the buggy tomorrow to, to Freddy's, and I'll deliver it to his house. He He'll will probably it. make you drop it off, like, 12 feet from his front door. He'll and disinfect then, it. And, and then, then run away. I'll have to show him my vaccine card to go bring him. <laughs> oh, that's right. You know what? He got his vaccine, yeah. so he's good. I mean, but I don't think a it's bitch. been. I brought you Freddy's. Like, don't disinfect I don't think them. it's been 14 days, though, so. Okay. Well, whatever. All so. right, well, that's our Joel Diablo moment. We've made fun of Sean, Joel Diablo, obviously Loretto. We love them all. Yeah. Don't love Loretto. He's adorable. <laughs> I love you, Mike. He's not Ric Flair. What else? What else? No, nothing legal. I think that's about it. I think that wraps up our amazing podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, this was fantastic. Chuck, Any Chuck, final thoughts? Luke slash Timothy, that's it? Uh, Margaret's probably five? now wondering why you're calling me Timothy or Little Timmy. Chuck started it. Okay, it's, what, his name. it's, his it's name. my name. What's the story? Chuck, oh, I do know that you're. Yeah, I do that. But I they know that. Chuck yeah, on the first podcast just started calling him Timothy, and then I started calling him Luke slash Timothy, and then now everybody in the states fucking calling him Timothy, and everybody's enjoying that. We're bringing it. it back. Yeah. <laughs> Is your dog named Lassie? Or are you, you're probably too young for that. Wasn't it Timmy and Lassie? Yeah. Right. What's that, Timmy? Yeah, you know? that's right. Bobby's well, he, stuck in a well? well you, <laughs> you know, Timmy's stuck in a well or whatever it was. What's that last Well, you, you keep going with little Timmy, right, too? That's from um, Scrooge or whatever, right? Little Timmy. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Little Timmy. Little Timmy. Little Timmy. Little Timmy. from the, you know, the, 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 the kid. The kid with the, the, the crutch. This is just the, growing right, right now. <laughs> we might as well just stop. <laughs> Uh, Margaret, no, thank you for thank you very much for we appreciate us. it and uh, you know all the education you do for our members and uh, you know chatting with us about the different things and hopefully we get back to some more seminars soon yeah. and can get out in front of the members and get some more education out there. But this is one great way to do it and appreciate you taking the time joining us and future big news, big events, big announcements. We'll go from all right. there. All right, thank you for having me. All right. Very good, and then I'll, uh, we'll we'll move on to episode six and a half right now. There you go. Take care. Thank you.